to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. got to be a hunger in your heart for the things of God if you're going to get anything out of God. I can tell you that right now. It's just got to be there. You got to be hunger for the word. You got to be hungry. Sometimes when I first got in the ministry, I think there was more of a hunger in people's hearts than now, you know, 20 some years later for the things of God because it takes up people's time and they've got stuff to do. And But until you really set yourself and you say, hey, praise God, I'm going after God no matter what, you know, and I'm just going to do it. That's when it really starts to work in your life and things really start to change in your life. So I would encourage you, wherever the word is, get under it. We're here someplace else. You know, worship when it's time to worship. Don't just wade your way through it and say, oh, my God, that's a sick song. No, just praise God, worship God. Lift your hands, go with God. Be hungry for God. And as far as preaching goes, your job is just to deliver the word. The Bible tells you what happens when you throw that seed out in the ground. Some people aren't even ready to hear it yet. So you can't get upset about what you said that they weren't ready to hear it because some other people were ready to hear the thing. And sooner or later, it's going to go 30, 60, 100 fold. Sometimes it's going to get ate by the birds, and they're just going to look at you like you're nuts. And when you're preaching, you can't go by the people's faces. I'll tell you that right now. Because sometimes when you get in your, their head, it numbs their face. Yeah, it numbs them all. And the Holy Ghost takes them someplace, and they look at you like this. And they don't hear another word you said, but the Holy Ghost saying, yeah, that's it. That's what you've been and So you can't do that either. You just throw the seed out there, praise God. You're like a farmer, and it, some, 30, 60, 100-fold, some won't get anything out of it, but they'll, sooner or later they'll get it. Not everybody's ready. That's why when you witness to people, some jump on the bandwagon just like that, and other ones look at you like you're crazy. Some are ready, some are not ready. Your job is just to put the seed out there, for gosh sakes. Just throw some seed out. And anybody in this church has plenty of seed. You got a whole bag of the stuff, so all right, praise God. All right, take your Bibles this morning. Go to First Corinthians chapter three. I want to talk a little bit about kingdom prayer this morning. What we went through over the last three months or so, I believe, is something I need to minister on a little bit and relate to you. First of all, you've got to remember, and one of the things you're never really going to operate in the kingdom of God until you understand that it is a kingdom. Jesus came back and he said, repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. He didn't say because Christianity is at hand. He didn't say because democracy is at hand. He said because the kingdom is at hand. Now, why do I need to repent? Because the kingdom is at hand, because the kingdom is different than democracy and Christianity. The kingdom operates different. It's a different viewpoint. It's a different way of looking. The kingdom of God is actually no more than a government it's not religion, it's not religious, it is a government, just like the government you're under. Well, it's not like the government, but it portrays to a government that you're under right now. The kingdom of God is a spiritual government. So if we want to learn to operate in the kingdom of God, we've got to find out how a kingdom operates. And this is, you know, you hear people all over saying, boy, I'm so glad I was born in the United States because I'm free. How many of you feel that way? Praise God. But then I was born under democracy, and when God started teaching me about a kingdom, I had a battle in my mind because I was trained under how to operate in a democracy, and God was trying to get kingdom across to me, and there was a complete battle and a complete reversal going on in my life about everything between the two. A kingdom is not like a democracy at all. And if you operate it as a democracy, you're not going to receive the things from the kingdom, then you're going to get mad and blame God, who you don't think loves you anymore because he's not giving you what he said he was going to give you. And it doesn't work that way. You've got to learn how, what a kingdom operates, how it works, how things happen in a kingdom. And when you do that, then you can start dealing with things in your life. Are you following me? Yeah. 
All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse 9. It says, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry, and you are God's building. Notice again, we are laborers together with God. Say, with God. Now, when I got born again and I came in and I started studying the Word, and of course I came out of a denomination and I came out of religiosity and Christianity, I was taught basically, number one, that God was sovereign. How many know He is? And God was in control of everything. And that's what I was taught. So I was thinking in myself, once I came in, why should I pray if God's in control of everything and God's going to do whatever God wants to do anyway? What good's it going to do me to pray if God's going to do whatever He wants to do anyway because He's sovereign? Am I just trying to talk him out of what he wants to do, maybe, and say, God, that's not what you need to do right now. You need to give me that $100,000, not Brother Joe over there, or whatever. And I found out I wasn't getting any results at all in it whatsoever. Prayer, for a while, became to me a religious experience. I prayed, set a time, a time to pray. I prayed, and when I was done, I felt better because I prayed, but I expected absolutely nothing to happen from my prayers, but I was pretty proud of myself for praying because we're supposed to pray. I'm a Christian. I pray. Do you pray? I pray. How long do you pray? A half hour. Well, that's very good. What do you pray? I can't remember what I did, but I did it for a half hour, and I feel pretty good about doing it because I was supposed to do it. See? And then after a while, I got into basically, I was taught that you never know what God's going to do. God moves in mysterious ways. Well, I wish I knew how he was mysteriously moving so I could pray in line with the way he was moving so we could get something done. But nobody taught me that. So once again, I was praying, but I was not praying according to kingdom. I was praying according to Christianity. And a lot of times, Christianity is in the feelings and emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt that prayer was heard. Well, it never says in the Bible, thou shalt feel when your prayer is heard. It says when you pray in line with God's will, your prayer is heard. So it don't matter if you feel it or don't feel it. If I'm praying in line with God's word, he's got to hear me because he's the one who said it. So my prayer life started to change. I tried for a long time to earn. I went to Sunday church. I went to Wednesday church. I went to church where there was church all over the place. Why? Because when I needed something, I could go back with my little sheet. Say, guess what, God? Look at all the times I went on Wednesday night and Thursday night and traveled here and Sunday morning. You owe me, God. I'm asking you, you owe me. So my prayers were basically on that. Basically, I was trying to manipulate God or coerce God to do things because nobody ever taught me about kingdom prayer. Say, kingdom prayer. So my prayers became appeasement. They became all different things. And then I finally discovered in the kingdom of God that all my prayers basically were not feely, were not emotionally, were not religious, but they were based on legal things. It was a legality in the kingdom of God. You have legal rights. It's just like being a citizen of the United States. Since you're a citizen of the United States, you have legal rights in some things, but sometimes you have to fight for those rights because somebody's trying to take those rights from you. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, we've learned that, at least being in the United States got a revelation to that anyway. But no, the kingdom is all based on legal things. And notice what it says here. It was very interesting. It says, we are laborers together with. Say together with. Together. Now that, that told me that it's God and me working together. Before that, it was me God trying to convince God. Me trying to get God to do something. Probably something he didn't want to do, I was trying to get him to do. But here all at once it says, I am working, I am a laborer with God. So prayer all at once became me joining forces with God so that we could get things done in the earth. And what do we want to get done in the earth? His prayer says, shall be done on earth as it is in in heaven. So me and God are working together. Then I discovered, of course, we've been talking about authority. And by authority, I found out that basically we have authority here on the earth, not God. God put us. He said, let them have dominion. I'm part of that them. 
I have dominion here on the earth. So in order for God to do something in the earth, he needs someone with the authority here who's in a flesh body to allow him to do on the earth what he wants done on the earth. You know, that was a great responsibility he gave us. Do you realize that? I don't know if I'd have went there or not, to be honest with you. I'd have just said, I'll be in control and everything. The heck with the rest of you, because you'll mess it up every time. But he didn't do that. Praise God. He said, we are in control. So that, that means to me, if I'm working together with God, if I don't know I'm working together with God, he can't do much because I'm not working with him. So my prayers weren't getting done because basically I was trying to trick God, coerce God, do something, basically. And by that, I had to learn about the kingdom of God and how it operated prayer-wise. All right, go to Matthew chapter 9. It says, I'm probably going to be different new this morning, so I don't care what your face looks like, just like last week. All right, Matthew chapter 9, look at verse 36. It says, But when he saw the multitude, Jesus was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, and the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his what? Now how many know the harvest is plenteous? How many know the laborers are few? And now he gives you the answer to the problem. What's the answer? Pray so that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers into the harvest. Now that puzzled me a little bit because how many of you think the Lord wants the harvest? How many of you think the harvest is plentiful? Then why don't he just do it himself and send laborers into the harvest? Get a grip, God. No, I had to find out he's telling us to pray because we're the ones responsible for giving him an opportunity to send laborers into the harvest because we're the ones in authority down here and he needs permission. Whatever we bind on earth will be and whatever we loose on earth will be. It has nothing to do with God. It has to do with God being able to work with us and for us to work with him and hook up together so that God can move on behalf of whatever we must do. So basically here it says we need to pray that he send laborers into the harvest. So whenever I have someone who needs saved and I have trouble getting a hold of them, you know what I do? I pray that he sends laborers past that person into the harvest. I don't care, white, black, orange, purple, dog, cat, whatever's going to get to that person. And they come against that person, and, and he's able to do something about the situation then. Do you see? Because we're working together. Say together. So we want to do legally things with him. We have the authority here on the earth, and we want to learn to work with God. And it's good to work with God because when you come in a tragedy, you're going to have to know how to work with God. Because if not, you're going to try to coerce him, you're going to try to manipulate him, you're going to try to beg him, you're going to try to do your best to get him to do something. And everything we're trying to get him to do, he already wants to do. Yes. See, we're not, we're not trying to change his mind. He's already written his mind down. It's right here. His minds and thought are in here. This is exactly what he wants. When he says this or that's his will, this or that is his will. And the only problem in his kingdom is you can't change his will. In a democracy, you can get some people together, protest a little bit, and change the whole thing if you want to. But not in a kingdom. Once God puts his will down, I don't care how many people you get together, you ain't going to change it because kingdom says that's his will, and bless God, that's his will, and nobody's going to change a thing. So we've got to find out, first of all, how many know it's important to know the word of God? So I want to get him involved. I want to get him involved in my finances. I want to get him involved in my health. I want to get him involved in my situations and circumstances in other people's lives. So in order to do that, I want to work with him in their lives, not coax him or beg him, but work with him according to his will and his word, which is legal. It's a legal, legal, legal document here. I want to use that. All right, go to Genesis chapter 18.
All right, Genesis chapter 18, look at verse 18. It says, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous or heavy, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is to come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went forward to Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord, and Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? All right, here we see Old Testament, basically. This is an example of Old Testament prayer. Sodom and Gomorrah was not a very nice city at this time. And we know why they were not a very nice city. And basically God, according to his laws, had to destroy that city. It wasn't God who got mad and wanted to destroy them. They were putting themselves underneath the curse and forcing God to destroy them. So at once, here comes Abraham. And everybody goes to see how bad the burning's going to be. And Abraham says, I'm going to stay here, and I'm just going to talk to God a little bit. So notice what Abraham does, verse 24. He says, pre-adventure, if there be 50 righteous within that city, will you also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are there? That be far from you to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not judge all the earth and do right? Now what's he doing here? He's putting God's covenant back in front of God. He's saying, hey, you said you wouldn't destroy the righteous, and there's some righteous people in there, God. So guess what? You can't destroy the whole city because there's righteous people in there. And if there's 50 righteous people in there, you can't destroy them. And God says, that's right. I can't do that. You're right. Look at verse 26. And the Lord said, if I find Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, and I am but dust and ashes. Preadventure there shall be lack of five of the 50 righteous. Will thou destroy the city because of lack of five? And he said, if you find there 45, will you destroy it? What's he doing? He's working with God, ain't he? He says, well, what if there's 45, God? We got you at 50. Now we're going to try 45. Look at verse 29. And he spoke unto him yet again and said, pre-adventure, there shall be 40 found there. Will you do it? And he said unto him, what if there be 30 there? And he went on and said, what if there be 20 there? And he went on there and said, what if there be 10 there? Will you do it? And God each time says, no, I ain't going to do it. I can't do that if there's 10 people, if there's 10 righteous there. You're right. I can't do that. I can't destroy the city. Now, the biggest problem here is he stopped at 10. Yeah. And it just happened to be his daughters and his wife and some other people were in there. And how many know that God had to honor that prayer? And God wanted to honor that prayer. And God went ahead and saved the ten, but the rest of them didn't come out very well because fire came down and burned up each and every one of them. So notice, notice how Abraham talked to God. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Are you possibly going to slay the righteous with the wicked? If there be 50, 40, 30, 10 there, are you going to do it? What was he doing? He was taking God's own word back at God so God could obey his word, which he wanted to do, but he could not do unless somebody was using his word to allow him to come into the earth and do what needed to be done. So God needs co-laborers. Say, God needs, God needs co-laborers. co-laborers. And we have, to, we have to 
just you got to find out that the world right now is surrounded by demonic forces. I mean, turn on your TV, they're everywhere. And if the church of Jesus Christ and the, and the kingdom people don't have authority over the devil, then we're in trouble. But we do have authority over the devil. And one of the ways we do that is by our prayer life to help other people connect with God with his will and ours together to save other people and help other people and protect other people and do things other people. So your prayer life, and nobody's exempt from a prayer life. For people say, I'm in the kingdom, I don't have a prayer life. Yes, you do. You're just too lazy to have one. Amen. See, so we're interceding for other people, but we're not begging God, to, oh, don't do this and don't do that. No, we're taking his word back to him. Okay, he likes that when you take his word back to him. He's a judge, see, and he's a righteous judge. And you say, God, you told me you wouldn't kill as long as there's 10 people there. You're not going to kill everybody. And God would say, that's right. That's right there in my book right here. That's, that's it, praise God. You can kill them all you want to, but uh, not 10 of them are going to be at least come out of there. And how many know it worked out for him? All right, go to Isaiah chapter 43. People say, oh, my neighbor, what a wacko. I live in a house. I got a bunch of wackos in my neighborhood. Well, then they'd be good people probably to pray for. Amen. Come on, at least, at least the word of God. You call them a wacko, they probably already know they're a wacko, and everybody in the neighborhood knows they're a wacko. So you're telling God they're a wacko, and, and, and you're not surprising him. They are. You have wackos in your neighborhood? God says, I didn't know that. No, but we want to tell them about that. We need to use our prayer life to set people free in those different areas. All right, look at Isaiah 43, verse 25. God says, I, even I, am he that blots out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Now, this is interesting. Here it says, let me just ask you, did God blot out your sin? Did he? Will he remember your sin no more? And why did he do that? Did he do that because he loved me? Did he do that because I'm such a wonderful person and he wanted to help me? No, he didn't. Look how he did it. Even I am him that blotted out. I did it in my transgressions for my own sake. He said, I didn't even do it for you. Don't get all excited. I did it for me. Why? Because I needed another righteous person who could pray the fervent prayer of a Righteous man, a sin blotted out man, availeth much. When I blot out your sin, I make you another prayer person with me because now you're righteous and now you can agree with me and I can use you in the earth to further my kingdom to bring my kingdom back into the earth realm because I got one more righteous person there who's going to be able to do that. Now watch what he says. When that happens, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Put me in remembrance. Remind me. Remind me of what? What I said. So I'm gonna say, hey, I'm righteous. Hey, God. Hey, God. This is what you said about this situation, praise God. With long life, you promised cash and show him his salvation. That's what you told me. You told me, so no matter what Dr. Bozo says and, and, and Brother Superman says, it doesn't matter because you told me. I didn't write that. You wrote that. So with long life, he's got to go in and he's going to fulfill his call that you put him here to do because that's what you did. And, and God says, yeah, go. Go. Give me a chance to get in there. Get, let me help Dr. Bozo. Let me do something, praise God. And, See, we're working together with him, but we're in the colony and he's in the main country. And in order to do that, we've got to do it because we are the ones in charge here. So what does he say? He says, put me in remembrance. Say, put me in remembrance. I mean, my prayer life didn't go anywhere until I started putting him in remembrance. And I'll tell you what, you won't put him in remembrance of something you don't know. That's why the word of God is so important in your life to study that thing, to look at that thing, to find out what God has said about every situation, to find out his will so that you can pray his will back to him. When you pray his will back to him, he gets involved because he has no choice and don't want no choice. He wants you to use this as a legal document. That's why he gave it to you. It's called a covenant. 
It's for evidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I'm walking by faith. When will you believe you're healed? When I feel better. Well, there's no faith in there. See, I don't need to be healed. I just need evidence. I don't have to feel good. I just need evidence. I don't have to worry about going broke. I just need evidence of me prospering. It doesn't matter what's happening out here or what's going on because I need the evidence of it. The evidence is his will in his word. So I'm going to put him in remembrance. I'm going to put him in remembrance of everything. If you have unsaved children, you're going to put him in remembrance. You said that all should be saved and come into every life. That's what you said. That's what you said. You said none should perish, but all should come in after your life. You said that, praise God. So you just get somebody out there, okay, you save my kid, praise God. That's the way you just do it, praise He says, good, I've got just the people for you. I'll talk to him today and I'll get him over there. I was just waiting for you to finally wake up and pray it. And what happens? Your kid does something dumb and goes to jail, but it doesn't matter because I got a promise, praise God. And I know what God says and I don't care where they're at in prison or how many years they're there for because I'm going to pray and I've already prayed my prayer. And, and when that happens, I'm not going to say, how's your son doing? Oh, oh I know. so bad. I prayed to God, but he didn't listen. I went to church every Sunday and he didn't hear me. I gave $20 in the offering and he didn't even help. No, you've got to stay on the word, praise God. You put him in remembrance, you settle the thing right there. All the promises of God, if they're going to work, are... They're not, I sure hope God does something, promises. They're yes and amen. So praise God, he wants my kids. He wants my relation saved. I've been praying for my relation for a year. Just throwing out, thank God, you're sending somebody out there to him. And I run into him and I go to a wedding or something with him. And my God, you think, are you doing anything, doing anything God? <laughs> Same thing, 30 years later. But I got a word. I got a scripture, praise God. I, I've got the word of God. And I want to stand on that and I'm going to put him in remembrance. And whenever the attack comes, you put him in remembrance. There are going to be a lot of other things you want to say. A lot of the things you see in your mind that may be taking place, but you just put him in remembrance and put him in remembrance and put him in remembrance. No, you said. No, you said. Oh, he ain't going to make it through the morning. Oh, no. God said with long life he's going to satisfy him. No, the doctor said he's a sick, sick baby. He's never going to make it. Uh-huh, I don't care what they say because i got a scripture here that says with long life they're going to satisfy him and show him himself. I'm, I'm not going to get pulled into that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. I mean, I put that out on the internet, or not on the internet, but on to everybody who was praying one time, and I lost about every prayer I had. Because everybody wanted to know the bad, wanted to know how terrible it was, wanted to know the bad doctor's report, wanted to know this stuff. And I don't need them to know it and talk about everybody else with it, because God never spoke that, that thou shall die and not make it, that thou shall be sick, that thou shall be broke. All that stuff's not lined up. That's lined up with the devil. That devil talk. And that's why the vocabulary of silence is so important for each and every one of us. It's hard, but sometimes you just got to shut your mouth. Tough. It's tough. Or just change the subject. How's he doing? Oh, the weather's great. Praise God. It's a beautiful day out here today. What does the doctor say? I think he's saying amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, you don't want to talk anymore because you want to guard this mouth. You want to stay on that word. And if you say it often enough, it'll even remove all the fear and anxiety that keeps trying to come on you. And you'll be so convinced it just doesn't matter anymore because you're convinced. How many of you in here are saved this morning? How many of you die right now? Are you going to heaven? Are you worried about that? Are you fretful about that? Are you saying, oh my God, I hope I'm going to heaven when I die? No, you're convinced. Why? Because you've known it and you've heard it and you've said it and you've confessed it and you, to a point to where you don't have to when you die, but you'll run into other Christians who are still even worried. Are you going to heaven if you die? Well, I hope the good Lord smiles on me. Well, you ought to know by now. Come on. You ought to know when you die. You're going to get there. Do you see? If you don't know by now, then you haven't even claimed it or went for it or believed it or whatever. But praise God, if you're born again, you're born again. How many of you know that? 
So we get convinced on one thing, but other things we don't seem to get convinced with. All right, go to Isaiah chapter 55. Everybody knows this scripture, but we're going to apply it to prayer now. Isaiah 55, look at verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereinto it is sent. So, so who's returning it to God? We are, aren't we? We're the ones returning it to God. And he says, just like the rain comes down and waters the earth, your prayer coming back to me in line with me, your remembrance coming back to me is going to change something in the earth realm. It's got to. How many you know it can't rain for four hours and there be nothing wet on the ground? It's an automatic thing. Well, it's the same way with God in prayer. So when I return his word back to him, here he says, I guarantee you that when you turn it back to me, it's basically going to produce something in your life. So we're the ones that want to return it back to him. I return back. When something gets tight here or something gets tight there, I just return his word back to him. And one of the words you, you ought to learn for sure is be anxious for nothing. <laughs> Cast all my cares upon him. That's going to save you a lot of time in your life because most of your time is worrying about something. And many times it's worried about something that ain't even going to happen and never did happen and never will happen, but you spend a whole three days worrying about this stupid thing. No, you've got to get that out of your mind. I don't worry about anything. I don't have any worries and I don't have any cares. People say, what do you think of that? Well, I don't know, but I don't have any worries and I don't have any cares. And how many know that ends the conversation? Because they wanted to hear about how bad you're doing, how trouble is, oh, is it getting worse? And we're getting worse here. And that's not the vocabulary of, of silence. That's vocabulary of diarrhea. Come on, because once it starts flowing, it flows, don't it? I mean, man, oh man, talk about an hour sermon. You'll get one. If they've been meditating on that, and everybody who wronged them, and everybody who hurt them, and everybody who did this to them, and everybody did that, they'll know the day, they'll know the hour, they'll know exactly when it happened. They can tell you the pain that it caused in their life. You don't need that stuff in here. You need the Word of God to put back in people's lives and give it back to God, and God says it will produce if you do that. All right, go up to Isaiah chapter 62. All right, Isaiah 62, look at verse 6. God says, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. You that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. Give him no rest till he establish, until he make Jerusalem a praise on the earth. Here it says that God has watchmen and women who are remembrances, remembrancers in the earth. What's their business? To hold the promises of God before the Lord, not just one time, but day and night and day and night and day and night. And God says, don't give me any rest. Day and night and day. And don't, don't give me any rest. Just put me in remembrance. Keep doing it. Lord says, keep doing it. He's telling me that by the stripes of Jesus, you've been healed. Keep telling me that he bore his sicknesses and carried your diseases. Keep telling me, praise God, that you're prosperous, your soul prospers. Keep telling me, praise God, that you're a tither so the windows of heaven are open and pouring out a blessing upon you that you contain. Keep telling me your barns are full. Keep telling me these things that I said and I can get involved in any area of your life by the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and I can change that situation is there. Now, once again, we don't remind him because he's forgetful. We don't remind him because he's old and got Alzheimer's. We remind him because we need to remind him because we need to be reminded. If the promise fails, it's not on his end. 
Oh, God is so faithful. He's just so faithful. Are you? He's a faithful God. Are you? No, but he's faithful. He's only faithful to your faithful. See, if you're not faithful, he can't be faithful. So I want to be faithful and he's faithful. So we're both faithful. So as long as you're both faithful on the promises of God, how many know it's going to work in your life? So notice there's remembrancers. Say remembrancers. Remember. Right, go to Isaiah chapter 64. Look at verse 7. God says, And there is none that calls upon my name that stirs up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us and has consumed us because of our iniquities. Now, of course, this is an Old Testament scripture. It's saying that nobody's, nobody's praying with God, nobody's helping God, nobody's a remembrance, nobody's God because they're sinners. But how many know we've also found out that he blotted out yeah. our sins? So now basically he's saying here, now you have an opportunity to go ahead and join forces with me in prayer here on the earth and use your authority there. How am I going to do that? I'm going to be a watchman in my life. I'm going to re remembrance God with the words that he gave me that are on the inside of me. The Bible says that if the word of God's in you, it will live in you. Yeah. And when it lives in you, all you'll do is speak in line with God's will and you'll produce much fruit. What kind of fruit is it talking about? It's talking about prayer fruit. Why? Because the will of God's in me. Everything that comes in, I'm going to line the will of God on them. Somebody's sick, what am I lining the will of God on? By the stripes of Jesus, they've been healed. He bore their sicknesses, he carried their diseases. And with his stripes, they're healed. So I'm going to hit everything with the word of God. And in my own life, I need to learn to stay on the word of God. And this is why you have other people who you know are going to pray in line with the word of God who are not with you because it's easier for them to stay on the word not seeing the actual circumstance than you looking right at the circumstance. Do you see what I mean? It's a lot easier. That's why people around the outside come, oh, just believe it's easier when you're in a mess. No, it's not easier when you're in a mess. It's a problem when you're in a mess because you're seeing it. You're seeing what the person looks like all the time. You're seeing your bank account every day. You're seeing, so get people involved that aren't. And it's a lot easier to believe the word of God if they don't know how bad your situation is or how bad the, the sickness is or whatever. They can easily believe the word of God. It's easy for them to believe the word of God. And then they'll help you and remind you of the word of God also. That's what we do as a body of believers together, praise God, so that we can have victory in every single thing on the earth. Praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to start talking a lot about the kingdom on Wednesday night, so you got to remember I haven't taught all year, so it's going to be a... All right, Matthew chapter 18, familiar scripture, verse 18, Jesus is speaking. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done of my Father, which is where? Amen. All right, so notice, our agreement here gives the Father in heaven a chance to do something. I come into agreement. And you don't even have to come into agreement with the person. You come into agreement with the word. Because the word's here. So as long as I'm agreeing with the word, two or three together, are, and, and my Father in heaven's going to go to work on my agreement as long as it's lying with the word of God. Yep. Are you, following? you can't pray for three wives, agree with your neighbor, and God's going to say, okay, you've got them. It's got to be in line with the word of God itself, and that gives God an opportunity to come to the rescue, to do something by the power of God, to do on the promise, praise God, that you're holding up to him, that he wants you to hold up at him. That's the whole idea for God to do these things. All right, let's go to 1 John chapter 5. You should know this scripture by heart. 
There's even a scripture in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 11, that says, of things coming to the sons of God in the future, command ye me, and I will reveal them to you. That means I can go to God before things even happen and ask him to tell me what's going to happen. So when it happens, I'm prepared for it to happen because he already commanded me to ask him of things in the future so he could tell me things in the future. Because if you're always behind the devil, how many know you don't do very good? You get bashed, then you put the ice thing on, then you get kicked, then you put the thing on. No, why don't you get out ahead and block the kick? Put up something to block the punch. Get ahead of the enemy. You can do that, but it says, command ye me to do these things. Tell me these. Tell me I need to tell you these things. And when you do that, how many know you'll expect it then? See, when I pray now, I expect an answer. That's where my life changed around most. Most of the time I just prayed and walked away and thought that was it. But now when I pray, I expect an answer. Why? It's according to his word. It's according to what he said. And the pressure's not on me. I didn't say it. Is he going? Is he going to live or die? Uh, what do you think? It doesn't matter to me. It's on him. What are you going to do to it? Nothing. I put my word back to him. The, it's on him. He's the one that's got to fulfill his word. I'm not watching over his word to perform it. He's watching over his word to perform it. So as a watchman, when I put his word there, he's the one that got to perform it, not me. How many of you have ever tried to make a promise come? Everybody here. Everybody. I don't know how to make this work. No, you don't. You just did stay on the promise. That's all you got to do, and he'll work it out. And a lot of times it'll come from a place you never even dreamed it was going to happen from. The healing will come, or the money will come, or something will come from someplace you never even thought about, and all at once it comes in out of the blue. Why? Because God did it, and he knows what he's doing. Praise God. Hallelujah. You'll find out one time that one of the worst person you ever went to school with ended up saving the person you were praying for because he got saved and saved the other person. And you'll think, God, that couldn't have possibly happened. Yes, it could happen because God knows how to do things, who to get there, but we've got to give him the opportunity to do it through our prayer life and join forces with him in order to do it. All right, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, and this is the boldness and the confidence that I have in God, that if I ask God anything according to his will or his word, he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, why does he hear me? Because I asked him according to his will, so I have boldness to ask him. And if you know that he hears you whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So I can take anything I want and put it out there in line along with the will of God. Praise God and give it back to God. And I know he heard me because he said he was going to. And since he heard me, it's as long as he hears me, I know I have the petitions that I asked. There's times I prayed, I didn't know if God was listening or not. And many times I didn't even care because I was doing my religious duty. I was feeling better about what I was doing. I prayed. But now I know when I pray, he hears me. When I pray in line with the word of God, he hears me. He got no choice. He said it. Even if he puts his fingers in his ears, he's still got to hear me. <laughs> See, why? Because he said it. it. It comes down to sometimes, it doesn't even come down to faith. It comes down to whether you think God's a liar or not. Yeah. I don't have enough faith. No, you just believe God's a liar. Well, I just, I just don't have enough faith to be healed. No, you don't believe that by his stripes you were healed. You think he's a liar and he's not going to heal you. Well, of course he is. He doesn't have a choice. You already said that when you get in line with him and you use the word of God to do that. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 13. No panic this morning. The Methodists are already there eating, so let them get done and then we'll release you and you'll be fine. Everything will be all right. Don't everybody panic.
All right, Luke chapter 13, look at verse 11. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bowed over together and could no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. He them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered and said, Thou hypocrite, does each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or an ass from the stall and lead him to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Now notice, this tells you one thing. Religion will always argue with kingdom. Even if it's a good thing. Jesus asked them sometimes, Would it be good if I healed this person? And they thought, Let's, let's have a conference about this and find out. Because it is Sunday, you know, or Sabbath day, and you can't. No, see? So notice what he does here. Jesus heals this lady who'd been bowed over how many years? 18. 18 years. But notice what he did. He went to legal prayer. She's a daughter of Abraham. She's got a covenant. So did Abraham have a covenant. She's got a covenant. She should have been healed 18 years ago because she's got a covenant with God, and she's got the word of God to do that. So he says, ought not, shouldn't this woman, why isn't this woman healed? Are you following me? He always used it. Remember when the blind man was there and cried out, Thou son of David? He understood kingdom. He understood he was a son of a king and he could heal him and take care of it. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, My God, somebody understands kingdom. My God, all these people here bugging me. There's one. Where is that guy? Bring him back here. And of course, religion's saying, Shut up. Shut up. Don't say that again. And then of course, Jesus says, Come here. And they all say, He calleth you. He calleth you. Let us help you now. See, religion always argues with it. But there's a legal right here. This lady should have been healed 18 years ago, but she was in religion, not in legalness. So she came to the legal. What's the legal? It's already been provided. She's got a covenant with Abraham. Healing was in that covenant. It belongs to her. She should have been healed 18 years ago. But she was trying to get it somehow else, and they were trying to give it somehow else. But when you go to legalities with God, it's a kingdom. It is a government. When you go to legalities with a government, you get results from that government. All right, one more. Go to Psalm 103. All right, Psalm 103, look at verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, divine rights that belong to you from being in the kingdom of God. Number three, who forgives some part, the little ones, all thine iniquities, and heals some part, a few, all thy diseases. Who crowns thy life, who redeems thy life from destruction, and crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, not satisfied, you got a mouth problem, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now watch what the Lord does. He executes righteousness and judgment for all those who get in oppression. So what's this telling you? This telling you that you have legal rights since you went in the kingdom of God. You have a legal right to forgiveness. And we don't have a problem with that. We mess up, we confess, we don't go into guilt complexes for six weeks anymore. We did maybe when we first got saved, but now I know if I make a mistake, I say, sorry, Lord, that's all there is to it. I don't have to worry about it forever because we've been conditioned to that. But notice, he also heals all of your diseases. 
Not some, not part, not a few, not a few. So if he ain't healing diseases, then he's a liar. He's either a liar or something else, but could it be we're not making the right connection as a kingdom citizen to the government and to the rights that he's already given us? So this is a good scripture for me. Praise God, whenever I'm praying for somebody for healing, I say, thank God, you, they're healed from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, Lord. It's, it's a gift. It, it's, a, it's one of your benefits. Thank you for that, Lord God. And I hear a report, ba 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 And I said, don't matter, because he heals all their diseases. He's got no choice. He's got a, every single person's healed. Why? Because that's what it says here. And I'm not going to forget the benefits. And when you forget the benefits, you'll start talking about something else. Your problem, your circumstance. But boy, oh boy, when you find out that these are benefits of the kingdom of God, praise God. These aren't something will God do or won't God do. God wants to do. These are things he wants to do, but he needs a connection. He needs somebody down here who's going to agree with him, who's going to send his word down as water and water the earth. The word's going to come back to him. We're going to make a remembrance. We're going to keep confessing the word back to him. This is why the word is so important. I'm telling you, what. thank God for the word of God. I'm telling you, saved my life so many times, saved my ministry so many times, saved the building I was in so many times. We were in a time, praise God, when they were coming after us for everything. I don't know what the deal was. Everybody had a bad attitude, I guess. They're writing letters against me. They're trying to steal a building that I had a regular lease on and kick me out of the thing. I had to get a couple fake letters from Jeff Thomas. <laughs> Bring him over a couple times in the parking lot, and we really went out for lunch, but I was talking to him, and he was dressed in his suit, of course, and he's walking around with like he's going to do something. We were just going to lunch. I was just trying to intimidate, I guess. Praise God. Yeah, they want to take the building from us. But how many know I had a, I had a legal document right here? I had a document that says I was good in there for another year and a half. And at the price that I signed up for, not more just because it was cheap. See? So what am I going to do? I'm going to hang on that document. I'm going to stay on that document. I'm going to keep that document. That's the way it is with the Word of God. You get a hold of that thing, praise God. I remember we were going up north one time. We had two little kids in the car, and we drove in the middle of the night and had a hotel reservation and didn't get there because I was feeling good. And when the kids are sleeping in the back of the car and you're going up north and everything's quiet, you want to drive as far as you can. <laughs> and I drove and drove and drove. We got there at 3 o'clock in the morning. I got to the hotel, and I said, we're here now. Can I have a key? And they looked at me and said, I'm sorry, all our rooms are full. I said, what do you mean they're full? Well, when you didn't get here by such and such a time, we gave your room away. I said, oh, let me show you something. I've got a confirmation number right here. I don't care if you've got to throw somebody out. I don't care if you've got to build a room. I don't care whatever you've got to do. You have got to fulfill my confirmation number. And all at once they came up with this great big spacious room with a living room and beds and everything that they just happened to have there in the back. But they couldn't do anything about it because I had a confirmation number, praise God. And each and one of us got a book of confirmation numbers that we've got here. But we just want to keep speaking them back to God, praising God for them, worshiping God for them. And watch them go to work in your life. Things will start working in your life. But you've got to stay on them. You can't be anybody that wavers. You know what they get from God? Absolutely nothing, praise God. So hallelujah. Kingdom prayer is a little bit different. I mean, it's based on legalities, not based on feelings, not based on emotions, not how long you pray or how many times. Would you like somebody praying the same prayer to you over and over again if you were God? Oh, my God. Yeah. Poor guy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So praise God, we're going to be a praying church, and we're going to get results in our life, and we're going to get results in people around us and other people around us. Praise God. Hallelujah.